medieval Christmas special. This year we decided to do something a little different. We invited our friendly rival over at Rock Paper Swords, Matthew Harvey and Stephen A. Mackay, to join us for a Christmas special. But what to talk about? Books, podcasting, the year behind us and the year ahead and my embarrassing favourite Christmas song. So without further ado, it's over to Matthew. Hello, my name is Matthew Harfey. And my name is Sharon Bennett Connolly. And my name is Stephen A. McKay. And my name is Derek Burks. We're all best-selling historical fiction authors. Well, except Sharon, who does non-fiction. And today, as the Christmas season is upon us, we are doing something a bit different. Rock Paper Swords is joining forces with our friends from the Slice of Medieval podcast to bring you a special episode where we will look back on the year um, that is drawing to a close and forward to the year ahead. So without further ado, let's get on with it. (laughs) So first off, Sharon, what's the best book you've read this year? Well, I'm breaking the rules straight away because I'm going to give you two. And I've literally just finished reading them, actually. And it's um, Ian Ross's Battle Song and War Cry. And I just really enjoyed them. I think because I read them one after the other. War Cry's out next month, I think. So so I've got to interrupt you straight away and just say that's my choice. So I feel very bad now. (laughs) I've got to to find another one. And also, I'm I'm doubly annoyed because... I'm friends with Ian and he lives nearby, near me. And I saw him a couple of months ago and I said, I want to read Warcry. Can you get me an arc of it? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it. <laughs> so I'm doubly pissed uh, off now. But yeah, it's I'm a great book. Galley. And um, no, Netgalley put an arc up of Warcry and put Battlesong back up. So I thought, actually, I can read both because I missed Battlesong when it came out. And I really enjoyed them. I mean, I'd written about the Simon de Montfort period a couple of times now, and mainly in my book about the Warren Earls of Surrey. And John de Warren, the sixth Earl, does get a couple of mentions in the book, although he isn't, you don't actually hear him speak or see him. But it was interesting. I was waiting for John de Warren to appear and be wrong, but because he didn't. <laughs> I could actually enjoy the book. And I did like the way Ian Ross didn't sanctify Simon de Montfort. A lot of the times when you hear, when you get the Montfort mentioned, it's like, he's perfect, he's the hero, he's absolutely wonderful and can't do anything wrong. And I did like the way he made him human, even though they were fighting on the Montfort's side. It was ever so interesting, very enjoyable to read. I I just thought, I mean, because I'm going to just go on now and talk about it a bit, because it was my choice as well. So Battle Song, <laughs> I haven't read the sequel, but um, I absolutely loved it. So I got an early, I got an arc of it. It probably was last Christmas so I think it probably was just at the end of 2022, but I'm counting it in 2023. And because um, it, it came out in March this year, didn't mm. it, the book? And um, I absolutely loved it. And I I mean, I've loved Ian's writing, his Roman stuff is, is great. But um, I just really, uh, I just thought that he captures the feeling of the period as I imagine it, you know, really, really well. And, and it, mm. it's, it's like a casual violence um, in yeah. the air and just, <laughs> just things happen and and everyone's very matter of fact about it and of course this last year I've been writing um, st- stuff set in the 19th century in the west of America where you know things very lawless um, time mm. and and I think it's very it captures that feeling of what it would be like in the middle ages where things really were pretty lawless obviously, obviously there are laws to follow and you can be pulled up and, and told off and you know you go to prison or get hanged or whatever but 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 I don't know. Things just happen. There's one scene in um, Battle Song that I loved when they're in France touring around the the, the um, tournaments and stuff, and they go yeah. into some tavern or some inn somewhere, and there's a there's an argument over a room, 
and um, someone's gone into the room that um, the, the main character thinks is their room or whatever, and he goes in, and they just and he just gets the guy and he throws him like out the window, just throws him <laughs> off the balcony and, and down into the courtyard below, and the guy's like, you know, if it, if it, if it was modern day, obviously you'd be absolutely done for it. You know, the guy hurts himself, not doesn't die, but he's like really badly hurt, and he yeah. and he sort of jumps up and he wants to have a fight and everything. All the people down below just have a laugh and they go like, ah, <laughs> fuck off, and they just throw him off, throw him out, and. And, and that's it. And, it, and they, everyone just carries on. It's just perfectly normal. Just beat someone up and just throw him out the window, chuck all his clothes out after him, and that's it. I did like the way he didn't shy away from the changing sides thing as well, because that happened a lot with Simon de Montfort. People were his mm. friend one minute, and his enemy in the next. Um, so it was interesting to see that he didn't, you know, he didn't try and make it all perfect. He just told it as it was. And they, you got the sense that that is how things happen because they did Edward the first was friends with Simon de Montfort for a long time and then his enemy you've got these divided loyalties and it's like every now and then the character meets somebody and it's like okay whose side are you on now (laughs) well yeah I think it's it's a bit like I mean Bernard Cornwell always talks about the big picture and the small picture and the Mm. big story and the small picture a small story and I think I'm much more excited by the the small story or the, the, yeah. the individual story of people but it looks it sounds to me from what you're saying you know the history of that period much better than mm-hmm. i do sharon and it sounds like ian's really got the big story really correct as well yeah. as the small story of the individual characters that are laid on top of the tapestry of the big you know, intrigues and battles that are going on at court and you know across the land yeah. so he's done a master from in my opinion it's a masterful you know historical fiction novel um, and it sounds like the sequel's good too. You know, you've read it. I haven't read that one yet, which I will. I will cry a bit better, actually. I think I prefer, I think I was very, I've really enjoyed Battlesong, but Warcry was like, oh, wow, I cannot wait to, for this to finish. And then I don't want it to finish. And I don't know what's going to happen. And is this guy, you really don't know, you know, the Battle of Evesham's coming up if you know your history. And it's like, it was brutal. And um, you're waiting to find out exactly what happens. And I have to say, the character stories in the battle are um, some of the best writing I've ever read. I think he does it just for the individual characters. He really goes out of his way to present an excellent story. Oh, brilliant. Well, I'm really looking forward to the to the second to that second book. Um, it's War Cry, isn't it? The second one mm-hmm. it's called. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to it's going to be a trilogy. Um, and I know that Ian um, would love there to be more books um, sold. So Ian Ross, um, if anybody <laughs> out there is listening to this and they haven't read Battle Song or, or War Cry, I thoroughly recommend, and so does Sharon by the sound of it, yeah. um, going out and buying it and listening to it. If, you, if you're into or listening to it on Audible or whatever, and if you haven't, um, if you're really into you know historical fiction and that sort of medieval period, it's brilliant. They're just brilliant books. Mm. Battle Song's out in a couple of weeks, I think. Sorry, Warcry. Oh, Warcry, yeah. yeah. And um, I think that's going to be Battles on the Warcry are going to be my dad's Christmas present. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I think I'm I'm pretty sure that on Warcry, uh, on the cover, they've used an endorsement from Battle Song from me. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm, I'm, I definitely want to see the um, yeah, read the sequel. So, what about I you, Steve? I think Stephen? that's a dastardly plan by authors. If you get your name on the front cover, you then have to buy the book because your name's on the cover, even though you haven't written the book. <laughs> Well, that's it. You know, guaranteed one sale at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get your name off, well, uh, what about you, Stephen? Well, what? I've 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 actually only read one historical fiction novel this year, so you can probably guess what it is, Matthew. No. <laughs> is it? It's, it's not one of mine, is it? Yeah, it's a time for swords. That was this year. I read that, wasn't it? No, nah, probably. So, it took you so long. Exactly. Years, started started it last year. Finished it this year. It, it's basically it's, it's the kind of stuff that can be into historical fiction. You know, a lot of action and adventure, of course. Really good lead character. The history's all there. You know, with the Vikings and stuff coming in. So yeah, we did a whole episode. Of, well, no, we never did. We, but we, I have mentioned it in the podcast before. We spoke about it. Yeah. Uh, it's just a really, really good historical fiction novel, and as like I say, it is the only one I've read this year. So I had to pick that, didn't I? That's the that's the way of becoming the winner. Is if, <laughs> yeah. if you only read one book, the only so, one, so, I do. I do it could have been special. rubbish, and it still would have been the best. <laughs> well, that's it. It, it maybe maybe it's rubbish. Well, uh, you know, it's done pretty well. People seem to enjoy it, Hi. and um, 
the third one's just come out. So a day of reckoning was out just just a couple of months ago, and that's yep. seems to be doing all right as well. So yeah, people have enjoyed it. But thanks very much, Stephen. So yeah, very nice of you to say. Full page, that part. And I feel I feel bad now that I didn't say that the Heathen Horde was my favourite. <laughs> you haven't even read it. Was it was up there. It was up there. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, I didn't say the Heathen Horde or Day of Reckoning because you're both there, and I couldn't pick between the two of you. So. That's fair enough. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. Yeah. So let's move swiftly on. Um, to, to Derek. Right, well, I was going to pick uh, Battle Song. Glad I didn't. <laughs> uh, but I also thought it was a great book. And I was going to pick A Time for Swords, which also I really enjoyed. Um, but I didn't pick any of those. I went completely off piste because I've, only, I've hardly read any books yeah. <laughs> at all, uh, like Stephen, obviously. So I went for an, a book that isn't historical fiction at all. And there was a little story, there's a bit of a story attached to it. This book was first published in 2010, and, and it's a book called 61 Hours by Lee Child. Okay, yeah. And um, over the years, I've read most of Lee Child's Jack Reacher stories, but not this one. Somehow, I always missed it. Anyway, recently, I started going back to the, the local public library, which I hadn't been to for, for ages. Oh, by the way, shout out, everybody. Use your public libraries. Use it yep. or lose it. So I, I went, the, mine's about 800 yards away, so it's not that difficult, really. <laughs> so I went there and I happened to happened across this book, 61 Hours, uh, which was is kind of like finding the last piece of the jigsaw puzzle down the sofa. You know, you can't believe you've actually found it. Trouble with those sort of things is you think you might be disappointed at the end of it. You've waited so long <laughs> to read it. But actually, it was really good. I think it's probably one of his best. For anybody who's listening, uh, who's never heard of Lee Child's character, Jack Reacher, if there is anybody who hasn't heard of him, <laughs> he's a kind of thinking person's Terminator, only human-ish. Um, <laughs> was in the military police, big, fast, chunky guy, which incidentally made it a bit laughable that Tom Cruise played him in a couple of films. Uh, so he played a sort of cut down Jack Reacher. Anyway, oh, the new guy's good though. <laughs> yeah, yeah the he new is. Guy. He is, yeah, fabulous. Ideal. Just right, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just a few words about sixty-one hours. Sixty-one hours is is set in a wintry South Dakota. Oh, and, I, I, um, I've read. I remember. I was going to say, is it the one that ends in all the snow and the? Yeah, bunker? yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. 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 And, and I mean, it's a typical Jack Reacher beginning, whereas he's on a bus and it crashes. Well, I mean, you know, he's like a lucky charm, isn't he? <laughs> um, don't be on the same vehicle as him. So it's got all the sort of things you might expect from a thr an action thriller. It's obviously got lots of action, lots of thrills, but it's very cold. <laughs> this, this permeates the book. Got sort of icicles dripping from the pages. There's a Mexican drug lord. There's Russians. Did I say it was very cold? Yes, it's very cold. And basically, there's a there's also a long distance conversation on the phone, which which is a an interesting side plot of the, of the whole thing. So, I loved it, and uh, I felt having read it this year finally, I ought to mention it to somebody. So I mentioned it to you, lot. And yeah, it happens to be listening. <laughs> it's great. I'm a massive fan of Jack Reacher and um, obviously the child who who wrote them or writes them yeah. or did yeah. write them. Um, yeah. And um, <laughs> I've read all of them. Um, and the last couple, of course, have been written or co-written by his brother. Um, and I have to say the quality has dropped Mm. massively and i'm really and this year i didn't i normally would get them like as soon as they come out and i'd read the next one and i really yes not bothered and i'm pretty sure i'm going to get given the, <laughs> the new one for christmas from one of my kids and mm. i will read it but I, last year i did read um the last one that came, i can't remember which what the name of it was but um i, I it was boring it actually took me a while i had to sort of force yeah. myself to read it which is never was never the case with the lee child one so you could you know if anyone ever asks you know, if it makes a difference changing an author to, to something like that, it really does. And just being their brother and being happy to be, happening to be a writer doesn't cut the mustard, yeah. I think. There's, there's a magic ingredient that is missing, in my opinion. Proven. So if Matthew's kids are listening, you've still got time to exchange the book for something else. Exactly. I, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm quite completist and loyal, as most readers are. And I think, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be happy to to read it and and to, to be proven wrong you know it's, it's, yeah. it's two or three now so it could be that you know there's, there's some books are better than others so 
I think the, who knows? He could he could find his he could you know find hit the ground eventually hit the hit the sort of the right um, speed and get it. But for me, it just felt like a different character. They felt like books that were sort of competently written with the name Jack Reacher in them, but it doesn't yeah. feel like Jack Reacher. Somehow, it just feels like a different person, which is inevitable, I suppose. Well, it shows how much of a writer there is in characters. You know how yes. much it yeah. is your thing, your creation. Yeah. I think so. Anyway, moving on, but still sticking with books. So that was what we've read in the last year. Uh, what about in recent years? Have you got any other, you know, what's the best book that you, standout book that, that for you over the last few years? Um, Stephen, have you got any anything? Nothing really historical. So I've cheated like Derek, but even worse, because I picked Def Leppard's book, uh, Definitely, it's called. It's just a band history, and it's got tons of photographs and stuff of the band stories about the early days and all that kind of thing. So that and Jimmy Page put out two big hardbacks, coffee table books. So they were kind of the only books that I would pick as favourites of the past few years. But I suppose they've got something to do with rock, but they've got nothing to do with history. So they're good books if anybody's interested in Def Leppard or Led Zeppelin. Well, yeah, they don't, I don't think they have to be specifically about history, do they? I mean, or historical fiction. No, but, uh, it kind um, of feels like I'm cheating if we don't, though. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. I, I was actually thinking there's a couple of books that, that were sort of high up there that I've read, which, again, are like these coffee table kind of books. I've, I've read, I can't remember what one was called now, but the history of um, like Dungeons and Dragons artwork oh, I, and I, stuff. I, and that was that was really interesting. And I've got like another big one about the making of Conan the Barbarian, the movie. Um, yeah. and things like that. And I, they're, they're really interesting. These sort of yeah. retrospective books, looking back at the his, historical sort of how things happened. You know, like like uh -huh. say band histories. I'm reading a Led Zeppelin biography at the moment. Um, the um, what's it called? Where when when giants walk the earth? Well, is that Mick Wall? So, yeah, that's the Mick Wall. Oh, I've yeah, read that, but that's okay. Yeah, uh, it's pretty good. Uh, it's all right. Well, anyway, so had been around that long now, they probably do count as history. Anyway. Aye, that's true. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's uh, another that's another good point. Yeah, so as long as Led Zeppelin, but not far that's, off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about you, Sharon? Sort of recent years. Okay, I'm going to embarrass Stephen now. Um, I think he probably knows this because of the way I was gushing about it at the time. But it's Lucia. <laughs> oh, excellent. By Stephen A. Mackay. Oh, yeah. Um, that book affected me so much. Um, it's about a Roman slave girl being enslaved in England and it's just the total powerlessness of this girl's life and I read it I think after just after the Americans pulled out of Afghanistan and women were losing rights in Afghanistan every single day something else was being taken away from yeah. them and at the same time I'm reading Lucia through tears most of the time because it is it it's one of those books that really touches you and you cannot... I couldn't read another book for weeks afterwards without thinking that it wasn't good enough. Because um, <laughs> I think Stephen's writing in it is some of the best I've read. And like I said, it has affected me so much that I still... It is still... It's definitely one of the best. And yeah, it's probably wow. my lowest rated, you know, in terms of five-star ratings or whatever. It's, it's I'm like, not surprised. Yeah, I think it's just too harrowing for... A lot of people. <laughs> yeah, it is harrowing, but it is so worth reading. And well, it had to be realistic. So. There is a, mm. a little bit of hope yeah. that you come away with at the end. Thankfulness yeah. that we don't live in that society anymore. Yeah. And just, yeah, it, it, it was breathtaking. That's Thanks very much. That's, that's very nice to hear. High praise indeed. Sharon's yeah. read everything. That's true. Yeah, Sharon, Sharon has read everything. So for her to say that it stands out over the last few years of Actually, everything she's read I've is amazing. I've read everything of all yours, all three of you. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So Derek, the other thing Derek, I was going and... to say was for Matthew, Blood and the Blood, the Blood and the Blade. I think yeah. was my favourite of yours, and Derek's was Feud, which was the first of his um, Wars of the Roses books, and that was just something totally different to the regular Wars of the Roses books. And of course, his one of his leading characters is Eleanor Elder, who became a heroine of mine. And um, any every woman who's ever read one of those books, because she actually fights, and um, but she doesn't fight out of um, her gender, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. She doesn't so, fight like a man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, so, yeah, I've got a favourite of each of it and every one of you, but I think Lucia just tipped it because, well, Stephen made me cry. <laughs> that's, that's we don't, we don't mind. That sounds good. That sounds. I'm good. sure that's I cried enough. quite a few times when I was writing it as well. It's fair enough, but I mean, Stephen makes me cry quite often. But you know, it's just <laughs> with laughter, hopefully. Well, yeah. Well, let's not let's not go there. It's just to so, me, it's one of the signs of a good book if it can bring out your emotions. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know that it it's got you. Yeah. Oh, well, brilliant! Praise indeed. And yeah. you mentioned Derek's book Feud and the series uh, about the Wars of the Roses. And in fact, my highlight, and I was thinking really along the lines of historical fiction here, the highlight that I, that came to mind when I was thinking about the questions for me is um, Toby Clement's series, the Kingmaker series, mm-hmm. um, which yeah. came out. The, the first one's 2014, and the last one, there's four books in the series, came out in 2017. Uh, it starts with The Winter Pilgrims, and Broken yeah. Faith, Divided Souls, and then Kingdom Come. And again, set in the Wars of the Roses, which is not that popular a period. So, um, for, And for me, I think those are the first books, perhaps, that I'd read in that period. And I don't often, uh, I don't read that, much really. I have that much time to read and so I often um I very rarely read a whole series so if I'll read like the first mm. book in a series and if it's uh, you know it might be okay and then I might read maybe another one but to actually read all four in this series um mm. for me was quite unusual and and I really really liked them they, they're just brilliant the characterization um yeah. the, the two main characters is a, a, a man and a woman and I, I don't know I, I think I'm saying Sharon you're nodding you've, you've read them yeah. Derek, I'm assuming you've read them. I don't know, Stephen, if you've read them. I've, but... I've oh. read them. I've, I've had very long conversations with Toby about them as well, because I well, think for... uh, the beginning of Winter Pilgrims is among the best beginnings I think I've read in historical fiction. It's really good. Yeah. It's just, for me, the whole thing, it was in, they were incredibly inspirational. And I started writing Wolf of Wessex when I, I don't know if I'd listened to the audiobooks of all of these by that point. I think maybe I had, and I decided to write Wolf of Wessex in a sort of two-hander style. Each chapter was one of the two main characters, just the same as Toby Clement's books, just mm. purely because I just read these books and I really loved the way he'd done that. So it's in Wolf of Wessex, it's, it's an older man and a younger girl. But again, it's like you you get the girl, man, girl, man, all the way through, which is exactly what, okay. what he's done as well. Um, and it just works brilliantly well and keeps the pace of the, the story moving forward. But yeah, his descriptions of the period and the grittiness of it and his mm. incredible, again, a bit like we were saying about Ian Ross's books, like the, the real believability of the of the world. You feel like you're there. It feels like these, these writers mm. have actually been there. They've travelled back through time. They've lived it for a few days and then they've come back and written it down. I mean, that's the, for me, that's the sign of fantastic historical fiction where it may not be realistic yeah but it feels like yeah. it is yeah absolutely yeah and it feels incredibly authentic so what about you derek well i've actually i have picked a historical fiction one this time but it's a more recent this unlike me actually i read hardly anything that's modern history but um i've picked one by somebody i do know slightly david gilman uh it's called night flight to to paris yeah yeah and i'm sure Others have read it as well. Um, yeah, I read that one. Yeah. Set in 1943 in sort of wartime occupied Paris. Clues in the title, really. I'd read his medieval stuff, David Gilman's medieval stuff, and I thought, well, okay, let's read something. It, it came out, and I thought, well, give it a go. I don't read many wartime things at all, but um, it was so well done. It was just so well done. He He got the mood, I think, of the whole place during the war better than I've I've come across before it's always a bit I don't know it's always a bit sort of the you know the resistance of the good guys and the the Germans are the bad guys and it, it's very one well, very one-dimensional yeah normally in in those sort of wartime things in films and and books but I felt that he managed to sort of grasp the nettle in a way and and talk about the differences between the Germans and between the allied sort of groups, the resistance gangsters and all the rest of it. So, yeah, it was, I mean, the action was good as well and, and the suspense, but I just felt it, you were talking about sort of gritty realism. Again, I, I agree with you. That's, that's a mark of something that's very good historical fiction. You know, so, I think David's yeah. 
David's got the experience from his, his yeah. jobs and his life, you yeah. know. Uh, we had yeah. him on here. He's one of my favourite guests we've had on, actually. I really like yeah. David, just as a, a, yeah. a guy. Uh, I should really read his books as well. <laughs> <laughs> he probably like that, yeah. As we're going to see him next year, yeah, you probably should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Hopefully, yes. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. So, well, that um, I'm going to carry on with you, Derek, uh, moving Maybe. on to the next question which is about um what's the uh what's your the best podcast episode of the last year and th this question is basically um worded in such a way that i don't know if any of us are sure what it's asking are we asking well, <laughs> you answer it as you see fit so yeah. what's well, the I'll best answer podcast it, and episode? then you can see whether that was what you were expecting <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to choose one of uh, Sharon and my uh, Slice of Medieval episodes simply because I don't listen to much else, except, of course, Rock, Paper and Swords. <laughs> but um, this one was memorable for a number of reasons. This was our podcast earlier in the year with the, the legendary historical novelist Bernard Cornwell. And um, they say don't meet your heroes, but it's fair to say I wasn't disappointed. <laughs> And I was a bit apprehensive because I'd heard Bernard talk at uh, some conference or meeting somewhere or other uh, about nine o'clock in the morning. And he seemed to be extremely grumpy, <laughs> mainly because it was nine o'clock in the morning, I think. Um, okay. But yeah, anyway, it didn't start very well because when I logged on to Zoom, as you do, and waited for Bernard to appear, he didn't. And it was a bit early. So I thought, oh, well, I wonder if he stood us up. <laughs> But anyway, I sort of waited, and then this disembodied voice announced, Derek, I've got a problem. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what happened, but we had a moment as well. <laughs> well, I, I'd, heard it, I'd heard Bernard speak, so I knew I recognised the voice. Um, and he said that his webcam had died, and the upshot was that we recorded it with just the sound, which obviously is the important bit. Um, now, it's perfectly <laughs> possible that Bernard was sitting there in his socks and underpants, well, that's why I said he didn't want to present that to me. He did the same to us. I think yeah, it's exactly the same. Common, yeah. Exactly the same. And he made yeah. out that his, his webcam had died just that minute or you know that day or whatever, and it was an unusual thing. And this was like six months before you guys had him on. So <laughs> yeah. I, I think, and I, I joked broken with him again. I joked <laughs> with him and said that he was sitting there in the nude, and um, <laughs> he, he just he just laughed it off, you know, and carried on. Yeah, it probably was. <laughs> that he must have written about two decades earlier and he he was very good he was very understanding that <laughs> we wanted to ask about those so it was a highlight for me certainly and i know sharon was quite excited <laughs> yeah well yeah i can imagine i mean we Stephen, it's one of our first um interviews actually yeah. on the podcast yeah. was with bernard and we were absolutely shitting ourselves i think it's fair <laughs> to say because because you know he is such a hero and so yeah. for, for all yeah. of us writers and so yeah. to meet to meet someone, even though it's uh, over Zoom, yeah, it's quite nerve wracking. I managed not to say I'd been reading him for over forty years. Luckily. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, it's might, one of those things. You might take offence at that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it would be. Uh, is it offensive? I mean, it's 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 nice so. to know. You know, it's nice yeah. to know. But yeah, <laughs> I make him think a bit of his mortality. Well, I thought you a... might then be adding up the numbers and think I was older than I am. <laughs> Twelve when I started reading him. <laughs> <laughs> That's what so we what want, you... isn't it? Yeah, well, absolutely. Life what about you, Steve? What's, a, uh, what's a, a standout podcast? Well, I wasn't sure, like you said, I wasn't sure what you meant. So I was kind of thinking Uncanny, BBC's Paranormal uh, podcast. But if we're, if we're going for like our own, I would say the one we did with Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull. Just again, because he's like my hero. I've got the big picture of him up the wall there. Mm -hmm. And again, we were shitting ourselves because yeah. 
He is such a big name, and he can be grumpy if you rub him the wrong way. Uh, and we were supposed to get yeah. what was it, fifteen minutes or something? Matthew we were supposed to get. Well, yes, yeah, so his, his publicist. So I've actually said the same. I've put Ian Anderson as my yeah. highlight of of, of, of the year of, of podcast episodes, and and I think it was part of it was the build up we had to it. Uh-huh. We we I, I talking about my from my, from my own point of view, but I mean, I I think I'd really sort of built my built it up in my mind even bigger than it than it maybe was. Yeah. But you know he's a huge, he's hugely successful. Yeah. Over sixty million albums sold and stuff, and um and it was a, a weird one because they wanted us to interview him. His PR person said the interview they scheduled it and it's nine o'clock in the morning on Bank Holiday Monday. <laughs> so they think okay, right? So obviously that's fine. You know, yeah, we'll do it. And then um and they said to us, you know, fifteen minutes if you're lucky, maybe twenty five minutes or something. But you know, when he says he's going, he's going. Yeah, he just we're like, okay. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll we'll just get on. You know, we'll ask the questions and as quick as we can and get the the big questions in first, and then you know we'll we'll see how it goes. But um, yeah, in the end, yeah, it was like for ages. Yeah, it was at least. <laughs> well, we couldn't get like... we couldn't get him off. It's like an hour and twenty minutes. <laughs> in the end, we ran out of questions. We were and like, it, yeah, and it was it was laughing next? and joking and everything. It was it was. So relaxed, and it was just really, really good by the end of it. Uh, so it was a kind of highlight of my life, really, because he is Jethro Tuller, my favourite band. So uh, it was a dream come true, really. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was amazing. So we started off at the very beginning. So again, he didn't have his camera on at the beginning. Yeah. Um. And and so we so he just appeared, and <laughs> so he he joined the Zoom call. So you see his name there. He's just black, you know. So there's nothing. Or he said, "Oh, we can't see you, Ian." And so he sort of begrudgingly turned his camera on. <laughs> um, but again, I don't think he wanted to, you know, interact face to face, you know, as it were. But he did. He turned it on, and then he just said, "Right, no preamble. What's your first question?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that yeah. was how he started. So it was not a single "Hello, how are no you?" Chat, nice to chat, meet you. Yep. you know, you normally get a couple of minutes of sort of chit chat with people. Sometimes a lot, sometimes mm-hmm. a little. Yeah. some sort of yeah. breaking the ice. <laughs> Uh, but nothing at all. And so we thought, okay, but here we go. You know, huh? I, I'd I'd listened to quite a few podcasts and interviews with him beforehand to see, you know, what people had asked and how he responded to things. And as Stephen was saying, and I think this is partly why I was so nervous about it myself, was that sometimes if people ask rubbish questions, he really doesn't take kindly to it, and he <laughs> and he and he just gets quite dry and matter of fact, but very sort of you know will cut people off and sort of make them look stupid really but yeah, you know, yeah. sometimes sometimes with reason because the people yeah they're wasting his time his time's well yeah yeah but so i in my mind I, I thought you know we need to make sure the questions are good we've got to be professional you want to keep it light though so it's it's, mm. it's keeping that balance of sort of making it fun to listen to without you know being really showing that you're very nervous but also being professional mm. and not wasting his time so i think we got there and it was it was okay and he warmed to us i think yeah yeah I mean, you and must that, have made him feel comfortable yeah, I think we he definitely took, did by the he took, Although he, he took the piss, he took the piss out of both of us. Right, he, end, was laughing, he? <laughs> he was laughing at Matthew because Matthew had stuck a record up behind him and he was laughing. It was only all the Jethro Tull record Matthew owned, which I think is true. <laughs> I have got like two. I own two. I <laughs> uh, it was it was brilliant, really good. So I, I actually did take a note as well of something else because I, again I didn't know if we were talking about our own episodes or others. If we talk about other podcasts. I'll just give a shout out for a podcast called Script Notes. Script Notes, I can't speak. Um, which is Craig Mason and John. God, I should know this. I listen to it all the time. Anyway, the guy who presents it, John, whoever, I can't remember his name. And anyway, the two script writers um from America written big films and uh, and TV series and things. And they did one episode this year with um Neil Gaiman, and it was John August, that's the name of the other presenter, gosh. Anyway, and they did an interview with with Neil Gaiman, and it was just really interesting because obviously Neil Gaiman's worked in TV and done lots of TV and film and stuff, but also, of course, he's he's an incredible novelist. So yeah. to hear him answer lots of questions about adaptation into comics and into or his comics into TV series and you know how to write comics, how he he's worked in in all these different areas of writing, and it was really really interesting. You know, he talked to obviously he's written he, he's written books with Terry Pratchett as well, and so he was talking about how he couldn't think of the the ending for American Gods which is his only book I think that I've read actually of, of Neil Gaiman's and um he was he was he was stuck on something he, he doesn't plan in great detail and he's and he was stuck and um he said he was at some sort of I think literary festival or something with um 
with Terry Pratchett or a book signing or something. And he and he mentioned this to Terry Pratchett and Terry Terry Pratchett came up with a with a suggestion, which I'm not going to sell now because you can listen to the podcast if people want to go off and listen to it. But um, I just thought it was brilliant that because I could just imagine, you know, me or and Stephen or one of you guys, you know, on the train. He said they're on the train. He was just, oh, I'm a bit stuck. I don't really know how to end this book. You know, I'm, <laughs> I've got I've set this all up and I don't really know how to finish it. And he's told the situation, and Terry just said, "Why don't you just do this?" And he's like, "Oh, okay, brilliant." And he just, he's like, yeah, I did. Yeah, genius, like your, Terry Pratchett. This is great. So, um, so anyway, so that's uh, and I listen to that that podcast every week, and it's it's really interesting, especially if you're into films and TV. Yeah. That world, but what about you, Sharon? Well, let me just tell the listeners that I was the one who suggested this question, so it's my fault that it's oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> or rather, I left it to you guys to interpret what I meant. <laughs> uh, I thought it could be either your our own podcast or somebody else's. Um, for a slice of medieval, I think the best one had to be, like Derek said, the Bernard Cornwell one, because I've been such a big fan. He is my favorite living author yeah my favorite ever author is Alexandre Dumas but Bernard Cornwell's the only one who's still alive and he so it was a real I couldn't believe it when I emailed them and his PA and she said yep Bernard will do it and I was like I was gobsmacked yeah. was like, oh my god we're yeah. going to be talking to Bernard Cornwell <laughs> <laughs> as Derek says I was a little giddy beforehand I think I calmed down at the time when you, we were you actually did talking. calm down yes yeah yeah <laughs> But I was so excited. Uh, but we also do um, some episodes where it's just me and Derek. And I always introduce them as, I'm sorry, it's just me and Derek this week. And I've been told off about that because people do seem to enjoy them. And Derek says, you've got to stop saying it's just us this week because we actually... And these are like, they're investigative episodes. We give it, we We decide on a topic a few weeks in advance. And each of us goes away and researches it um, ourselves. And then we come and discuss it. And I think... The oh, was I supposed to be researching those? <laughs> yes, you're supposed to be researching. Oh, right, OK. Rather than well, just letting me next do it time. all the work. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I think the best one we did was um, Edward the Elder, the um, son of Alfred the Grey, yeah. um, brother of Ath Ethelfled or Athelflaed, I think Annie, Annie White had told us it Athelflaed. was, didn't she? Yeah. And um, mm. it was just fascinating because neither of us had done much on this guy. All we knew was the lame Edward from The Last Kingdom. So it was really interesting to actually go into looking into Edward himself. And um, I really enjoyed that episode. And I, I think I learned an awful lot. And it was a brilliant way to highlight somebody who is often forgotten and overlooked. Yeah. You know, his mm. father's more famous, his son Athelstan is more famous and gets more credit. So it was like, so who, even his sister's more famous. So it's like, <laughs> who was Edward the Elder? <laughs> you know, Athelstan's brother. <laughs> yeah, and, and in those yeah. days, it took a lot for a woman to get famous, so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting you say about doing episodes when it's just the two of you. So we we've done you know quite a few, yeah, quite a few yeah. when it's just the two of us. But we but we but we've increasingly done fewer and fewer of them because we're just so chock a block with the with, with people coming on with interviews mm -hmm. and it's yeah. trying to find the time. And, and actually, we keep saying we need to basically make time to do. We've had you know ideas for, yeah. for episodes um, that just the two of us. And I think um, like you say, people you know as Derek's right that you shouldn't apologize because people actually enjoy those episodes yeah that's right that's yeah. that's part of the reason why people listen to you know to the <laughs> podcast and it's definitely um I've, I really enjoy them as well when it's just Stephen and me you know talking about yeah, specific topics yeah so we just need to find the time uh -huh. to yeah and basically uh -huh. not book any guests for a while to record some of that's the, <laughs> exactly. the difficulty that's the thing we always say when we're when we're planning who we're going to have on and who we're emailing and it's like and it's like well if we put so and so there and so and so there, we could always do one of our own in oh. between <laughs> yeah so we actually now schedule in when we're doing one so that we make sure that we get just our investigative ones as well because they are fun to do yeah and yeah. Um, people really do seem to enjoy them yeah absolutely yeah, definitely yeah so, moving on from podcasts, I'm about to move on quickly. 
Yeah. Why are you Is getting, it still Thursday? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so moving on from podcasts and and your and uh, moving on to writing. So what's your best career, your best writing career moment of 2023? And and your worst, if you want to tell us that as well. Um, Sharon, do you want to go first? Yeah, actually, they're both in the same moment as well. Well, in the same <laughs> right, couple okay. of hours. Um, it was, other than having Bernard Cornwell on a slice of media, <laughs> it was the book launch for my latest book, King John's Right Hand Lady, the story of Nicola de la Haye because I managed to do the launch in Lincoln on the 806th anniversary of the Battle of Lincoln, which Nicola had been involved in in 1217. And it was to a full house at the Lincoln Museum. And everybody had pulled out the stops to make sure that we could do it on the anniversary. It was one of the things I'd had planned. If it was coming out in May, I wanted the launch on the anniversary. The book wasn't actually due out until the 30th, but Pen and Sword, my publishers, um, printed it early just to make sure that I had books for the launch. And Linden Books, who organized the launch, were absolutely fantastic. So it it was a sellout. Every seat was full. And I really, it was just such a great night because I'd been writing about Nicola for about eight years by the time this book came out. It was like, you know, it was one of those real career moments. Yeah. And then during the talk, somebody asked me a question. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what's the difference between a mark and a pound? And I'd explained it in the book. But at that moment, you forgot. I couldn't have told you for the life of me. Yeah. But luckily, in the audience was the lady who'd written the foreword for the book, who is the academic expert on Nicola de la Haye. And me and her, Professor Louise Wilkinson, had been meeting regularly for coffees and talking about Nicola for a good few months. And she was in the front row of the audience. I got this question. She's um, a lecturer at Lincoln University. And I just went, Louise. (laughs) <laughs> she said the answer. Enough to think about it. It's like this is uh, she. She does this every day. You know, she's doing medieval history every day. She just gave the answer perfectly, and I'm just so, like. So, what is the difference? You've got to tell us now. Oh, I can't remember. What's <laughs> <laughs> a third of the other? But I can never remember. Well, no, it's, a, it's about isn't it? Um, it's six and eightpence or something in old money. It's mm. it's there's multiples of three shillings and fourpence, I think, but I can never remember which multiple is actually yeah. a mark. Right. <laughs> okay, so, and so they're, they're so just used for more. accounting rather than actually in physical presence. So yeah, yeah, exactly. There wasn't a coin, was there? Well, no. So it's like mark. like like guineas as well. Yeah, yeah, guinea I guess, is, is yeah. A pound yeah. and a shilling, isn't it? Guine- guineas. Yeah. Or it's all very strange. But that's the only time I've ever just gone, it's gone out of my head. But luckily, Louise there was there to save the day for me. (laughs) I'm impressed that's the only time anything's gone out of your head, (laughs) because things go out of my head more often than they come into it. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, yes, I mean, doing a presentation or a book launch in front of a full house and talking about history sounds great. But yeah, you're opening yourself up for, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for, for those sort yeah. of questions. So you're lucky yeah. it was only one. And <laughs> I still haven't ever had a book launch. So I'm I'm, I'm very jealous that you had a, a book launch with a full house of people all clamoring to to hear you speak about your, your book. Yeah, so like well a rock star. Yeah. <laughs> Sharon, the rock star Connolly. So... <laughs> Yeah, because I need more names, don't I? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Derek. What about you? What about your highlight of the year? Your writing career? Um, yeah, potential. I think a good a good one, but potentially a bad one in a sense. In that I I decided earlier in the year that I've wanted to write a modern thriller for ages, and I'm probably not the only historical fiction writer in that particular situation, but. I thought, right, this year, you know how you make res- resolutions perhaps at the beginning of the year? I said, right, this year, yep. I'm definitely going to start writing it. So I started writing it, and it was all a bit new because different genre. Suddenly, I've got a, I've got no historical research to do, but I've got some other things to consider, which I've not considered before. Location, what it's like, you know, all the rest of it. Anyway, so 
to start with, I, I felt I was on fairly shaky ground. But about when I was about a third of the way in, I had one of those sort of moments when you're writing, when you think, yeah, actually, I, I think I can do this. I've, I've got, you know, I've sort of got there. Yeah, so you're far, the groove, but, yeah. Yeah, exactly. In the groove. And I, I just thought, yeah, I haven't finished it, but this is, it's going to work. And and that was quite a revelation because I really, whenever you chat, ta tackle something new, you're always very doubtful because you're going out of your comfort zone, aren't yeah. you? All the things you've built up are really not of a great deal of help. So yeah, uh, that was that was there was just a moment there, and I thought, yeah, this is going to be okay. I think so. Hopefully, it will be. <laughs> so, so have you? Have you did you say you haven't finished it yet? I haven't you? finished it yet. No, but I'm I'm rather further. I'm about two thirds of the way through now. I know how it ends. I always know how it ends. It's just the oh, bit good. in between. Oh, yeah, between <laughs> yes. Well, funnily enough, I mean, looking at my um, best writing career moment of 2023, um, it's pretty much similar to yours, Derek, in that I've written a thriller, but I wanted to write a, a Western you know, a book right. set in the late yeah. 19th century for a long time. And um, and this was the year that I decided I'm going to pull, pull, you know, I'm actually going to do it. I'm going to I'm going to bite the bullet and, and do it. And I did it. And um and that was coupled with visiting um, the States and actually going horse riding in Oregon and, and staying on a ranch, which was incredible, those two things together. But, um, yeah, so I, I totally understand where you're coming from and that sort of trepidation of yeah. starting something different. Although I keep telling myself it's just historical fiction. It's just yeah. historical <laughs> fiction. It's just set in a different time period. But um, having to do the historical research and being aware that people, you know, there's going to be people reading, hopefully, um, the book that will be absolute experts in this. And there's yeah. so much information, mm. you know, there's newspapers, you know, for every day. Photographs, everything, yeah. There's photographs, everything. Yeah. So people people can easily pick holes in what you're writing when you're writing about something so much closer uh -huh. to mm. our own time. Um, but anyway, I, like just like you, you know, I got over the that initial fear or horror or whatever, um, and by the end of it, <laughs> I remember sort of writing. I finished it and I've handed it in, and I've heard my first feedback was, you know, I've got some things to tweak and change. But um, but funnily enough, I mean, one of the main tweaks was the editor said, "Oh, you, the first chapter or two is a bit shaky. You know, maybe you can." And so you could really tell, I think, that I was sort of finding my yeah, way. Yeah, those, those first couple of chapters. But by the end of it, I remember sort of hitting the last couple of chapters and thinking, "I've." got this now now I've, 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 i totally know who these people are now what this is what this is all about oh i'm finished yeah maybe i need to write another one but um what about you Stephen? yeah well it's getting my books and water stones uh would oh, be yeah. the, the highlight because i mean i've sold a lot of kindle editions and kindle unlimited page reads like into the hundreds of thousands but i've, I've never had a book in a, an actual shop so to get to Waterstones in Glasgow, see the book and sign it, you know, that was a really big thing. Yeah. But um, perhaps the worst as well, I get a, I'd sent a signed copy, well, I sent a few, sold them signed copies to people, readers, and uh, one of them sent me a photograph yesterday on Facebook Messenger saying, I take it you're a bit busy there, Stephen. And I'd actually, I'd only written half the line on his, his book. I always write a line out of each book. I'd only written half of it and I hadn't even bothered signing my name. And I just put it in the envelope and posted it to him. <laughs> so, I, mean, I thought, it's quite worrying really, like, how could I have done that? How could I have just stopped busy. halfway? Well, halfway well, through writing that, I said... You, your kids or someone... I assumed that as well. Blame the dog. <laughs> I remember the dog started barking or sort of jumped into my lap. I don't know, but it just seemed so bizarre that halfway through a sentence, I just stopped, closed the book, put it in an envelope, went to the shop, posted it. <laughs> it's it's bring it's bringing something back to me because I'm pretty sure that a couple of years ago I sent someone a book with the wrong name in because I oh, signed that. two, I, I sent I, and I sent it to the two wrong people. You know, yeah, so people just a mix up. The, yeah. yeah, easily done, like easily done. So. You know these things happen, but yeah, the getting yeah. your book in the in 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 Waterstones in pro, you know proper bookshops, brick and mortar yeah. bookshops is yeah. definitely a high yeah. a, a moment. But yeah. um, it makes me think of my recurring 
worst moment of 2023 and every other year <laughs> is whenever I walk past any Waterstones or any bookshop, I feel the necessity to go in and look <laughs> and see if my books are on the shelf. And nine times out of 10, or maybe yeah. 99 times out of 100, they're not. Right. And, right. and so it's it's a bit de- depressing. And when I was in the States, I was in the biggest bookshop in the States, um, Pals in Portland. And of course, we, we were, me and my wife there, she's a librarian, loves books as well. And uh, we were with an, another couple and the, the lady, the other couple works for Barnes and Noble. So massively into books as well. And we went into Pals and of course, none of my books anywhere. <laughs> um, very depressing. And this woman works for Barnes and Noble. And I went to her store and she, as we were walking in the store, she said, don't don't look for your books. There's none of your books in there. <laughs> I said, "What sort of friend are you?" Yeah, <laughs> she said, well, "I have no sway of what about what they what they buy in the shop. I'm not the you know not the guy who buys the books." But anyway, yeah. So that's <laughs> for any any writers out there. Um, I'm sure unless you're like the the childs of this world, you'll feel the pain of going into a bookshop to look for your books and not finding them. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, onwards and upwards. <laughs> Still, the fact that the books are out there is definitely a plus. Yeah. So, what are you looking? What are, on that note, what are we looking forward to in 2024? And I will go first and just say I am looking forward to most of all, looking forward to and slightly terrified by the prospect of um, this Western slash historical fiction set in the 19th century, which I'm going to call it um, Victoriana um, historical fiction. Anyway, it's getting published um, in the July of 2024. Um, it's called Dark Frontier, and I am looking forward to it to see what people think, but I'm also kind of terrified. And I'm also looking forward to um, Kevin Costner's two westerns that are coming out, either side of my book coming out. So he's got two westerns. He's got a he's got one coming out the week before, at the end of June, and then my book comes out on the 4th of July. And then I think on like the, in August he's got another book coming. He's got another uh, movie coming out, so the the second part of his Horizon movie. So it's going to be a summer of westerns for me, and I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> so what about you, Derek? Um, well, to repeat the point, I guess I, I, I'm I'm hoping that the thriller will get finished and will be out next year. I'm also going to publish the first of a series of novels set in the anarchy. Uh, in the 12th century. Sharon's read it, so that's some, something. She's the only person on the planet, virtually. Um, <laughs> not quite, not quite, but ne- oh. nearly. We've got the HNS conference to look forward to next September, where we'll, yeah. all, we'll all be there, um, plying our trade, as it were. Um, but for me, the biggest thing next year is my daughter's getting married a week after that conference, so it'll be a huge family occasion. And I've got my brother coming over and other relatives coming over from New Zealand. So it's it's going to be quite a big occasion. So that's, I'm you know, family comes first always, doesn't it? No matter what. But oh, yeah. uh, so that's the, that's the biggest thing for me next year. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, well, congratulations. Actually, I, I, yeah, congratulations. Yeah. And I'd, I'd made a note that um, I, I wasn't checking my notes, but I remember <laughs> jotting down that I'm really looking forward to the Historical Novel Society conference as well, because all four of us are actually going to be appearing... Yeah. Yeah. Um, then it's in September next year for anyone listening. Um, yeah. And it's in Devon in the UK. And yeah. um, it's some, yeah, and it's it's going to be great. There's all sorts of people there. Bernard Cornwell's going to be there, of course, and um, lots of other big names. Yeah. And us. Yeah. yeah. Well, we quite, follow yeah. Bernard Cornwell. Yeah, he's our warm up. Our panel is immediately after <laughs> Bernard Cornwell. So I'm just hoping the audience decide to stay. <laughs> all right. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, we've got Elizabeth Chadwick and David Gilman and you, Matthew. So that's yeah. true. Yeah, a big draw, a big draw. <laughs> and Rock Paper Swords is going to be the roving podcast. Of yeah, the, that um, sounds great. Yeah, which, um, it should will be, good be an fun. interesting thing. Um, because we don't actually know what we're going to be doing, but it no. <laughs> should be fun. Yeah, well, thank you, song. How roving are you going to be, or are you going to base yourselves in the bar and let everybody roam for you? <laughs> I think that sounds like a very good plan. Um, yeah, yeah, could could be. I think we'll, we'll rove around a bit, and we'll probably try to interview people. So we're trying to call yeah. you guys and um, other yeah. writers to get into a little quiet place and do sort of ten, fifteen minute shorter interviews with people. Yeah, think, but if well I do, yeah, that'd be good. And um, interviewing some of the the attendees as well, and of course yeah. reporting on some yeah. of the the different events and things. Should be great. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, so what about you, Stephen? What, what are you looking forward to, apart from, obviously, those things that we've already mentioned? Yeah, well, in terms of uh, writing, uh, I'll actually finish writing the third book of my Alfred trilogy, even though the first one is just out. The second one wow. I've, I've finished, and the third one will have to be delivered as well uh, next year. So, And then I can move back to my Warrior Druid of Britain for a wee while and do another one of them. But uh, just in general terms... You can obviously hear I've got sinus problems and hopefully that's going to be getting sorted within the next month anyway. So hopefully the next time we record a, a podcast episode, I'll be able to talk completely pr- normally <laughs> for, for a change. What, so without that, that weird accent? Oh, no, I'll, st- I'll always have that, Matthew. Oh, OK. I thought I thought the sinus problem was going to just clear that up and you are going to start yeah, You never know. Stranger things have happened. <laughs> Start talking French or something. Yeah, I was going to say, it's people uh, who get like brain traumas and yeah, exactly. start speaking a different language. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to hearing your, your improved dulcet tones. Um, <laughs> so, Sharon, what about you? What's, uh, what, what's, what are you looking forward to most? Well, I was going to say HNS 2024 and meeting you guys in person. Obviously. Which I think is going to be fun. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> Especially Stephen, because I haven't actually met I've met Matthew and Derek before, but I haven't actually met Stephen. So you have not met him up there with Thunder. No, that's right. Stephen. Even though he Stephen. did come to Sherwood Forest a few years ago, but didn't tell me he was down there. That's the road right. That was last year. Yeah. And I was in Lincoln and didn't see you either, but yes. I'd seen you before. So yes, we we were all guilty of that. <laughs> um. Otherwise, um, I've actually got two, possibly three books out next year in wow, one wow. year, which is a bit of a but my one out in January, Women of the Anarchy, I wrote before I wrote the biography of Nicola de la Haye, but my publisher's Amberley had a backlog after COVID. So that is finally going to see the light of day, which I'm really excited about. Luckily, I haven't reread it and thought, oh, my God, what did you write, Sharon? It actually <laughs> does read OK, thankfully. So I'm looking forward to that coming out in January. And then I'm changing eras in June when my Heroines of the Tudor World come out, so which is my first sequel. My first book was Heroines of the Medieval World, so yeah. Heroines of the Tudor World is a sequel. <laughs> They're always popular, aren't they, Tudors? <laughs> yeah. Well, I just yeah. thought it, it's a bit of a, you know, everybody writes about the Tudors, I suppose I should do one and see what yeah. happens. <laughs> Why not? The audience is there, so... Yeah, exactly. The only thing is, there are so many well-known women in the Tudor period. How, how did you manage to limit it? Oh, tell me about it. There are literally, there, and there's so much more information about them. Yeah. Than you know, with the medieval book, it was about seven hundred years of women I was writing about. Um, whereas with at least with the Tudors, it's limited to just over a hundred years. Yeah. So you can do the same kind of women. Um, and there's plenty of information about all of them. There's not, like with the medieval book, I'm scrabbling around for the slightest bit of information. With the Tudors, it's like, okay, I've got loads. Which do I choose? <laughs> um, so I've got about the same amount of women and the same titles that I used for chapters in medieval world. So it's just different women and different stories, but the same th- same ideas and themes. I'm hoping it worked. <laughs> well, right, luck. so so finally, as we are in the Christmas period now, I thought we'll end on a Christmas question, which is um what is your favorite Christmas song? So I'm gonna say to Stephen first, what's your favorite Christmas song? Well, it's gotta be Jethro Tolls ring out Solstice Bells. Obviously, Jethro Tull have a whole album <laughs> full of Christmas songs, uh, which are fantastic. Uh, of the, the really popular ones, I really like the Slade one, Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, and there will soon be another classic coming out because Matthew and me are writing a Rock, Paper, Swords Christmas song as well at the moment. Oh, wow. So I've recorded most of the music for that. We've just got to come up with some lyrics for it that Matthew will then sing. So... Yeah, a, a modern classic in the making. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure it will rival those other uh, songs you mentioned. Slade and Wizard, and... yeah, yeah. If, it, if, it, if it's as good as Wizard and Slade, yeah, I think it should be. I mean, probably better than than them. I'm sure. I mean, we just yeah, 
Wolf Pool. I mean, Wolf. even if it, even if nobody ever hears it, we can just tell ourselves <laughs> it's because we didn't we didn't manage to you know get the publicity. But that's not our fault. Well, it's got a good guitar solo on it anyway. I'm sure of that. Well, so you say. So you say. Um, what about you, Derek? Well, I've got two. One was "Merry Christmas, Everybody" by Slade, which Stevens mentioned because that's sort of always been there since yeah. my student days. Forever, it's just sort yep. of been part of the tapestry of Christmas. You, you know, you go into a shopping mall and and it's there, and you can't escape it. Really. Yeah. But my absolute favourite one is "A Fairy Tale of New York" by the Pogues, uh, with the fabulous and much missed Kirsty McColl. Um, that that for me, if I hear that, I just have to listen to it. Yeah. I, I can't I can't walk out of the room. You know, well, I'd ri- I'd written down three songs as like my top sort of Christmas songs, and you've mentioned two of them, Derek. So and of course Stephen <laughs> as well. So the Slade one, Merry Christmas Everybody, Fairy Tale New York, and the third one is um, Do They Know It's Christmas? The original Band Aid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I thought really about like that one. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I really like it. I like I like the way you know people say the lyrics are cheesy and all the rest of it, but it's it's you know it's, I think it's got a good sentiment. <laughs> of course, it's cheesy. The it's a Christmas song. No, but people people yeah. do, people take umbrage now at some of the lyrics and the whole thing about you know it's it's in, in, I don't know the whole thing about the saying that it's the, do they know it's Christmas in Africa and all this yeah, sort of stuff yeah. and saying it's some sort yeah. of demeaning of of the right. African nations and all this sort of stuff. But I think just. It was, done, it was, it was done to raise ended. money in the 80s. It was to raise so, money. Yeah, exactly. You know, for, exactly. And <laughs> so it and it raised yeah. a lot of money and it was great. Yeah. And I just think it's a great, I think it's a great song. I think the melodies are great. And I think the, yeah. you know, the delivery, all the different singers there together. Yeah. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So what about you, Sharon? What about you? What's your favourite Christmas song? All right. I was going to um, come up with something different because I thought everybody's going to laugh. But I was a shaky fan. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! It's Merry Christmas, everyone! It does it every time. Like you say, it's just that as soon as you hear it, it's it like you yep, back, it's yeah. Christmas. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And That's you big want to shaking Stevens. So, yeah, shaking Stevens um, was great. Yeah. I remember yeah. that drunk interview he did. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that one. Well, have you not seen it? He's on no. the telly. It's, I don't remember what show it was, but he's absolutely stupid drunk, and he's just. <laughs> Excellent like idea the whole way through. It's brilliant. <laughs> I'll have to go check that out on YouTube afterwards. Well, I know. Yeah. Remind myself. It was him, wasn't it? I don't know. It's not the know. This, is you, this is your dream, Stephen. What's yeah, that? Is... Wonder, I'm going to have to look this up. I'm sure it, of it. The, 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 the drunken interview that, that, is, um, that I always think of is the... Oh, what's his name? The, George um, Best? Shane. You know, the actor. George Best, one I always think of. On, um, the actor... The actor who died, oh, I can't remember his name now. Gosh, Oliver Reed. Names. Oliver, Oliver Reed, Reed. yes, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oliver Reed and his his incredible drunken thing with, I think it was Keith Moon or something, might have been on the same show or something. Was it Parkinson the, or something? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I'm a wild child, baby. That one is that the one when he starts singing? <laughs> they were different times, though, weren't they? Oh, you exactly. That these days. <laughs> well, he, he had the most rock and roll death. Though as well, Oliver Oliver Reed was, was when he was filming Gladiator, and it was yeah. didn't he didn't he get into like a drinking match um, with um, some Maltese fishermen or something, and he ended up drinking like I don't know how many bottles of of whatever whiskey and ramen and stuff, and yeah. he was doing things like hanging them off the balcony, holding people up, you know, lifting people on his head and stuff, and he just died of a heart attack. You know? I mean, it's just like you know, his heart gave uh, up, and that was it. But yeah, rock and roll. I've just found yeah. that as it's shaking Stevens, but it's Richard Badley that's interviewing him. Oh, brilliant. And, uh, I'd probably want yeah. to get drunk before. Yeah. You said that well. before me. Well, he's actually <laughs> just jumped in top of Richard Badley. I mean, the whole body's just jumped up on top of him. Just, I, he's obviously drunk. I'm probably nothing. Oh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. <laughs> so far, you need to look it up on YouTube later. I'll oh, put definitely. a link in I'll... the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. do that. So, well, brilliant. So, Lots of, of looking back, looking forward as well. It's been brilliant having you, um, well, having all of us together, you know, doing this, this <laughs> yeah, crossover yeah. joint thing. It's been great yeah, fun. Yeah. So maybe we'll we'll see how people react to it. And you never know, yeah. you know, maybe do something similar in the future. Um, yeah. Maybe get different guests on, you know, or have a big yeah. sort of Christmas Christmas thing, you know, in the future. Jamboree. Yeah, a jamboree, <laughs> yeah. Karaoke. 
<laughs> well, Derek and I did. Um, we did a Christmas special last year of deciding who we'd invite to di- which historical characters we'd invite to dinner, and we nearly came to blows over who we'd allow in and who we wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so this year was like, what should we do this year? And I said, what would we see if Matthew and Stephen would like to do one, and we'll do a joint a Christmas special? And it's like I've really enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. It's been yes, yes, yeah, a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks yeah. for coming up with the idea. Thank thanks you, for inviting yeah. us all you know, to do it together. It's been brilliant, really good fun. And yeah. to everybody yeah. listening, Merry Christmas to Merry everyone. Christmas, and- yes. Yes. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and a happy new year. <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much to Matthew Harvey and Stephen A. Mackay for joining a Slice of Medieval Christmas special. And thank you to all our listeners for staying with us throughout the year. We do have a bonus episode for you coming out just before Christmas um, with Derek and I discussing the influence and power of the Woodvilles. So do join us for that. But just for now, enjoy the Christmas season. And if you enjoyed our podcast, why not subscribe to ensure you don't miss the next one? Goodbye. Goodbye.